0: things are going to just keep growing. Uh, Nothing can stop this thing that's happening in Ireland. It's like that prayer that Patrick prayed as a poor little slave boy, where he's praying night and day, and it's, it's something that's just happening to him. That thing is still happening, and it's growing and growing, and nothing can control it or stop it. And so, the houses of prayer are multiplying throughout Ireland, and now a century after uh, Patrick was a slave boy in Ireland, here's Colum seal a young man, age 25 now, in uh, the middle of the 6th century, and he's in Northern Ireland, and he's going to start a house of prayer, and he's going to... He's going to actually found uh, 37 houses of prayer before he's done. This first house of prayer is going to be founded on the site of a sacred grove of trees that had been reverenced by the Druids for centuries. And that is going to say volumes about the approach that the Celtic Christians are using that's so different from the Roman approach. The Romans would come in and they would tell people that you need to learn Latin, you need to do it the Roman way, you need to build churches the way we build them, you need to become civilized and Christian like us. Um, The Celts did it differently. They would go into a community and they would uh, basically take Celtic culture and Celtic traditions And they would lift those traditions up to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you help us to take the darkness out of these things so that they can become redeemed by the light. So here's Celtic culture that is being redeemed by Christ and is transformed from the darkness into the light. But you're not replacing a human culture with another culture. Okay, it's like the Apostle Paul who says, I became all things to all men that I might by all means win some of them to Christ. So we're we're crossing a bridge and we're learning how to bring the gospel into the culture so that the culture can be transformed. That's the way they're doing it. They're letting the people stay on the very same site that they used to worship demons, but now they're going to worship Jesus in that same place and with many of the, the pieces of the culture very much intact. So we're, we're, we're a transformational kind of Christianity rather than a replacement kind of Christianity. One of the things that the, the Celtic Christians love to do was to copy the scriptures and this is the way uh, those uh, manuscripts looked they would turn the scriptures into works of art Um, if you google this you google celtic manuscripts and um, you'll see just many 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 examples of celtic art and it's all especially the gospels they loved to write out the Gospels and make works of art out of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, um, the, the manuscript uh, um, art uh, was probably the most enduring and important thing that, that we see of the Celtic church even today. And it was very, very important. For example, Column went on a pilgrimage to Tours. And, um, uh, of course, all of the Celtic churches regard Martin of Tours as kind of the father, the spiritual father of this whole movement. And Marmoutier is the first of the houses of prayer that, that, that was started that, that contain this power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a, it's a by-my-spirit lifestyle that's just multiplying, 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 but it started at Marmoutier. And so he goes to Marmoutier and he manages to purchase a manuscript that had been completed by Martin himself, and he t- takes that back to uh, Ireland. Um, a friend of Seal went to Whithorn, um, and remember, that's where the gospel first went into Scotland. So that's become a kind of, uh, uh, a, a, a place of reverence and honor. And, uh, Finian, uh, is going to discover there a, an actual manuscript that had been done by Martin in Marmoutier, and he had brought the manuscript with him to Scotland. And so here's this ancient manuscript that Finian copies page by page uh, while he's in Whithorn. And, and so then he's gonna take that manuscript back with him to uh, to Derry in in Ireland. Well, Columseal learns about Finian's manuscript and he covets that manuscript. And he's, he finds a way to secretly take that manuscript so that he can copy it and make his own copy because he wants a copy for himself. And then he returns that to, uh, to his friend. Well, Finian learns about this and he becomes offended by Column Seal doing this. And um, it, it, it becomes a, 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 an altercation between these two guys who had been friends and they become enemies now. And the case goes to court, and the, the judge tells Colum Seal that he needs to, to turn over the copy that he made to Finian uh, to, to make up for the wrong that he did. Um, and uh, he refuses to do that, and so now it becomes uh, a, a big fight, a big battle, uh, people taking sides. You get the idea. It's a terrible scene that has grown up in Ireland and Column Seal is right in the middle of it. And finally, he gets blamed for uh, um, uh, some people losing their lives, um, and he uh, is told that he needs to leave Ireland for good. He's going to be banished from his own country uh, as a result of this. And, and so he takes 12 uh, prayer warriors with him and uh, they're going to get into a coracle, and they're going to go north uh, from Northern Ireland, and and they're going to end up in this place, this uh, remote, uh, wind-blasted place called Iona, which is uh, one of the islands of the Inner Hebrides to the west of Scotland. And that is going to be the place of Iona, the most famous of the houses of prayer, probably the most famous house of prayer in all of Western history, and from there, um, it's going to be—it's going to be, be kind of like Saint Anthony. Uh, it's going to be a place of such spiritual power and uh, the manifestation of the kingdom of light that people are going to flock to this place, and it, it's going to result in all of Scotland. Uh, coming into Christ and the, the transformation of an entire nation. Now, I don't want to leave the impression that, uh, Colum Seal, who's, who's going to become at some point here, I don't know when the, the, the name change happens, but he's going to be known as Saint Columba. And Columba is, uh, is probably the most famous of all of these Celtic saints. But there were many others, <clears throat> and one uh, of the others is named Kentigern, and Kentigern uh, was uh, born out of wedlock, and he was so uh, scorned and ridiculed because of that that he fi- he decided to go on a journey, and he ended up in a community that had been started many, many years before by Ninian. So this is a Christian. Community, but it's lost its vibrancy and it's no longer, um, really a Christian town exactly. It's fallen into rack and ruin. But, but he's going to start a house of prayer there. And, uh, and it's, it's going to bring a new vitality and a new vibrancy to this ancient place, which is known as Egles Go. And Egles Go means, uh, dear church. And uh, Kendergern is going to gain a new name as the leader of a uh, house of prayer. And he's going to be known as Mungo, St. Mungo, which means dear friend. So Mungo is uh, starting the Iglesgo house of prayer. And uh, uh, Columseal, Columba, hears about this and goes and visits him. And they spend a lot of time together and they become fast friends and they end up exchanging their bishops' staffs. So these are pastoral staffs, you know, they're, they're like uh, shepherds' crooks, and they, they represent the authority of the bishop in a certain area, but they exchange their bishops' staffs. So Columseo goes back to Iona with Kentigern's staff and vice versa. And what that speaks to me, it it speaks volumes about the way these Celtic leaders related to each other. They were friends. They worked together. They didn't have this um, kind of competitive, territorial attitude toward each other that we have today. Uh, And I think the reason for that is they had a kingdom-based understanding of Christianity, not a church-based understanding. You see, the Gospels that they uh, copied, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, only even used the word church twice. The word kingdom of God are used 125 times. So that gives you an idea of why the kingdom of God was the center of their Christianity. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And so the, 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 purpose of the church is to get rid of the old kingdom and replace it with the new kingdom, the kingdom of light, replacing the kingdom of the enemy, the kingdom of darkness. And so they were friends doing this. They were, they were serving the same kingdom. They weren't competitors at all. Even though you had this, uh, situation in Ireland, uh, where they were, uh, In conflict with each other, but that's really quite rare uh, in the stories that come from the Celts. They were humble, they were uh, generous with each other, uh, they were gentle with each other, and and that's just the, the witness of the Celtic church by and large. But then there's the other side of that, and that is there was conflict, but it was a conflict against demons. And so part of the of of what you see everywhere uh in this is um power encounters with with demonic dark powers and the druid um, priests who represented those dark powers at that time so for example um uh column seal learned about uh, a pool of malignant water um this is one of the many many stories that uh, his biographer, who was one of his disciples, um, put in his uh, biography. Uh, Adamnan wrote the life of Columba uh, in the next generation, remembering the stories that uh, that he had experienced with his mentor. And uh, one of the stories was the story of the malignant water, okay? One of dozens of stories like this of power encounter, where uh, column Seal learned about this uh, pool of malignant water that uh, was it basically a demonized place. It was a center of demonic power in Scotland. And the Druids worshipped the powers that had gathered in that place, and uh, their power came from the demons. And so the, the Druids were very proud of the power of this pool of water to kill everything. You know, animals who would drink the water would die, that their bodies were all around. Uh, people who drank the water, uh, would, would get tumors and all kinds of bad things would happen. And so, um, Column Seal learned about this and he went to that place. Here are you know, little, uh, hovels of, uh, druids that are, are, are worshiping there with their little altars and everything, and Seal comes right down to the pool. He makes the sign of the cross over the water. He claims the water for Christ. He redeems the water for Christ, and he goes in, he bathes in the water, he drinks the water, and he comes down and he proclaims that whole pool to be redeemed for Christ. Okay, so it turns out that that pool of water has lost its malignancy, And as uh, time goes on, uh, they discover that people going into that are healed because Christ has taken over that pool of water. So you see how there's a transformation going on. It's a kingdom transformation. This is happening all over Ireland and Scotland and Wales. I'm just telling you one story. There's just countless, countless stories like this that that are... in the lives of the saints of that particular period. And just to give you an idea about that. Well, a lot of people today think that these stories are just legends. They're just made up, or they're exaggerations, or they, they wanted to make the saints seem really, really great, and so they, they made up these stories um, generations later. Um, it just cannot be that simple. Um, the fact is that these areas did go from the Druid faith into the faith in Christ because the people did discover Jesus makes a difference, a big difference. The kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of darkness. And they were bringing the power. The kingdom does not consist of talk, but of power. That's what it says. And so they were discovering the power of the kingdom, and that kingdom was transforming Scotland just as it had transformed Ireland. Wow. But unfortunately, um, there's going to be um, a loss of that power, and we're going to be uh, tracing that in future teachings um, as we move into the Middle Ages. Let me just say, though, that we are moving back in our own day into rediscovery of the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, let me just, for example, encourage you to look at George Otis's video, called An Unconventional War, and it gives you a picture right there on video of a uh, story almost identical to the one I just told you about uh, Columba, but it happened in Uganda uh, a few years ago. So these things are coming back. We're rediscovering the power of the kingdom of God, and we need to learn how to walk in that authority and walk in the kingdom. So now we're going to see where this goes next.